Hello there, beautiful people. I'm Tracy Rigdon, and this is the Contrast Project Lounge Podcast. In this episode, I'll be talking with investigative journalist from the Daily Dot, Miss Claire Goforth. Are y'all ready for this? Let's do it. Thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast today. I want to talk about some of the things you've been working at since you've, uh, well, you've been at the Daily Dot for some time, but something you've been working on lately, which is called high res. Let's talk about that just a little bit. Tell us what high res is. Well, thank you so much for having me on today, Tracy. It's a real uh, thrill to be here with some of my fellow Jackson villains going at you yeah. almost live, right? Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I've been out at the Daily Dot since 2019 doing sort of general assignment, political reporting. My specialty throughout that time was really working on extremism and conspiracy theories, hate groups and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So in the past couple of months, you know, I was itching for a new challenge, wanted to make things, you know, take it to the next level. So I pitched to the higher ups the creation of an investigative reporting division called High res short mm -hmm. for high resolution, um, in which we take those stories that we're already doing at the Daily Dot as the hometown newspaper of the Internet, and we go deeper. You know, we take it to the next level. You're already seeing this breaking news coverage and, you know, the best of Internet culture, the best, worst and the weirdest, I like to say, in the Daily Dot on a regular basis. But with these mm -hmm. stories, we're going to take a step back and we're going to spend a week or two weeks or even longer. You know, we're going to spend money on public records. We're going to go to different locations and we're going to take you into a deep dive on how the Internet affects the real world and how the real world affects the Internet and really how Internet mm -hmm. culture has become just part of culture. You know, there was a time when we would You're think right. of the Internet as kind of separate from our daily lives. But that time has passed. Look at us here. Yeah. I'm sitting in one part of Jacksonville. Try not to sweat. You're sitting in another part of Jacksonville trying not to sweat. Without the Internet, that wouldn't be possible. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, when we talk about when we talk about, you know, you you said, you know, the Internet culture uh, infiltrating everyone's life. It really has. And I know there is, I know there is the portion of the population that don't actually see that or experience it. But for those of us that are on the daily, well, like I say, the daily dot, <laughs> uh, we, we can, we can actually see that things are changing so fast that the information is coming at us fast and furious. And it really takes someone that is, you know, has their finger on the pulse of this information to to disseminate, you know, everything for us and give us, you know, an unbiased opinion on what's going on. Uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, 
like I said, the internet, it's home to a vast array of characters and trends and everything. How do you uh, go about deciding uh, what stories you're going to jump on and, and how you're going to cover them and how this is going to pertain to the new column, High Res? That's a really good question and something that I think about really regularly. Um, you know, there's so much going on on the Internet. It's a vast world with infinite possibilities. Mm -hmm. Just because something's happening there doesn't mean it rises to the level of needing to be covered. But once it starts to reach right. a sort of critical mass, um, whether it's an influencer or it's a trend or it's a group that is really starting to have an impact online, possibly in person, that's when I'm going to start to consider whether or not this is something worth covering, particularly if it hasn't been covered already. Or if it has been covered, maybe it hasn't been covered in this unique way. Or maybe there's some breaking news about it that we can get to first. You know, these mm -hmm. are all factors I'm going to consider when I'm deciding what stories to choose. And it can be really difficult. You know, I mean, there's a lot of really great outlets out there and they're all doing incredible work. Not all of them. Some sure. of them are doing very bad work. Some, but some better than others. Some better than others. Some better than others. Yeah. The ones I consider yeah. peers are doing some really good work. And, you know, we there's room for everybody at the table, I think. Um, I just want to I want to serve the public with some of the journalism. I want to inform. I want to engage. And not like entertaining isn't really, you know, I hope that the writing is good. I hope that the craft is there and that so people can read it and, you know, walk away with like a feeling um, but, you know, I just want to import, report on what matters and expose the creepy crawlies that live in the shadows and, you know, look <laughs> behind those creepy crawlies to the big fat cats who are funding them so that people can have a better sense of, you know, what's going on online and how it's affecting our everyday lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the Daily Dot has experienced substantial growth, I've noticed, over the years. Um, in covering uh, internet, uh, you know, internet culture, uh, technology, politics, uh, you know, conspiracy theories, you know, and the like. Uh, but it, it's currently at 23 million unique views, which is quite substantial uh, in its own right when it comes to internet uh, news or, you know, information type sites. Uh, how, you know, how do you see the role of online media um, in shaping the narratives when when we look at stuff that's going on currently in the news or, you know, a lot of people currently, a lot of people rely on social media for their news bites. Uh, how do you see um, the Daily Dot as coming in and and being a voice of reason in some of the insanity that we are seeing you know you uh you touched on this earlier tracy when you said having your finger on the pulse of internet culture yeah yeah and that's yeah, really yeah. what we do and what we really pioneered it i mean just last last july we were named the fastest growing online media company in the nation. Mm -hmm. And we cracked into the top 50 as far as web traffic for online media. Um, you know, and I think that 
today more and more, as much as I, I love local print and I love local journalism, online journalism has filled a lot of that void. And for us, we try to be responsible and we try to be careful about our facts just as if we were going to paper press. You know what I mean? Um, because yeah. there's this whole weird world of certain outlets that they don't really have any allegiance to the facts. They are pushing a narrative. They really don't, they don't part can I cuss a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't yeah, give a yeah. crap who they hurt. They don't give a crap if they're lying or not, as long as it, you know, gets them some traffic, it fulfills some confirmation bias. And we try to, we stand above that. Um, you know, we watch it going down and, you know, try to be uh, <laughs> sort of a balance for all of the crap that you see online and, you know, really give our readers the the salt and the sweet you know one of the things that right, i, I right. read this study not long ago that i found really fascinating about how american media is so incredibly negative whereas if you compare it to like european media they have a lot more positive stories in their uh in the mix um i think that there's a hunger that people have to get stories that aren't just like the gloom and the doom but also the stories that are like, well, look at this weird trend and this is really funny and this is happening and this person is doing something really, really cool online, you know, and yeah. um, and at the same time, then also be like, look at this dirty dealer, you know, look at this politician <laughs> who used yeah. to do all this nasty stuff, you know, and I right. mean, if that answers your question, I mean, I just feel like online media is the is the new media. Oh. Yeah, I I do agree. And for the longest time, you know, for the longest time, I had always, uh, you know, been a uh, I I've been pro print media and support local journalists and that kind of thing. And I know in Jacksonville, and you know Jacksonville's market, where Times Union has had this problem with letting go a lot of their journalists and letting go a lot of their staff and. You know, they downsized everything. And across the country, a lot of, during the pandemic, by the way, a lot of uh, alternative magazines basically had to shutter their operations. And, and Folio being one of those, Sam had to shut down the operation because basically he was unable to sell, sell print advertising. Um, and I know he was getting tired. Uh, the magazine went for 33 years under his tutelage, and that's that's a pretty good thing. Uh, and I'm glad that it was uh, rebirthed. Um, John Phillips and his group purchased and 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 gave it a rebirth and breathed new life into it. And I'll be honest with you, the print version of the new folio actually looks pretty darn good and I have no problems with it. And they do have a young and vibrant staff that writes for them. Um, how do you see, as far as that goes, when we're talking about print media and we're talking about online media, let's interject the uh, spectrum of alternative media outlets. Uh, and and I would say I would say that uh, um, 
the Daily Dot would be considered maybe alternative in the online spectrum, but you know how do you, how do you see uh, people in the alternative media realm coming up and becoming more mainstream when when all the others have failed? Yeah, that is a very good question. Um... And I agree with you 100%. One of the things that I love about the Daily Dot is that it does have that alt-weekly vibe. Um, the Folio Weekly gave me my start mm -hmm. as a journalist, and being the editor there was one of the biggest thrills and honors of my career. But there's no denying the trend. You, you know, If you look at the Association of Alternative News Media, there's so many who have closed in just the past five years. And there's yeah. a few reasons yeah. for that, you know, it's the, you know, print, print media, the revenue's just been drying up, right? Why are you going to pay however many hundred dollars for an ad that gets seen by, a, you know, 20,000 people when you can pay a couple of bucks on Facebook and get it seen by the same number? Not now that's not yeah. a guarantee yeah. for sure, but you know, Facebook right. and Google and the others, they have really sapped up a lot of that revenue. And one of the things that I've often thought that the alt weeklies could do is basically take the kind of model that we have. And, you know, there's no reason why you can't drive significant web traffic as a regional paper. You just have to know mm. how, what kind of stories work. You have to pay really close attention to your analytics and figure out how you can actually make a profit on the internet. That is one option that I think is a good one. But the other one that I've seen across the country, several alt weeklies have either been propped up by nonprofits or they've turned into nonprofits and some have just been formed as nonprofits because there's an yeah. appetite for independent journalism. I mean, I love the Florida Times Union. And I mean, I don't blame anyone at the paper. It's their evil corporate overlords right. who are responsible right, right, for all right. the cuts. Um, right, right. But why not have more than one voice at the table, more than one paper of record, you know, if you will. Um, it, it benefits us all. And we're just losing all of these local voices. You know, I'm a national reporter now. I can only report on so much that's going on in Jacksonville because my audience is national. But national, because of that, yeah. there's just fewer eyeballs on what's going on at JSO and what's going on at City Hall. Right. Unless it's right. something that's so big that it gets into the larger markets, then, you know, it, it gives the opportunity for corrupt people to just run amok unchecked. You know, so I think right. that if alternative media and also new regular media like newspapers, if they would do more of like make a concentrated effort to do the kind of stories that drive significant web traffic that are still newsworthy, then they could make a living, not just be surviving by the revenue from the revenue from print, which is, you know, harder and harder every year. Right. Right. And, 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 uh, you know, you're absolutely correct. I get it where, you know, you, you've now stepped up to the national uh, reporting scene and and sometimes you have to step away from everything Jacksonville uh, I get that and Jacksonville has uh, you know recently stepped into the national scene with the fact that we've elected uh, the first female mayor and the first Democratic mayor in decades and uh, 
that that is a national story. Uh, however, it has been overlooked in a lot of the media. Uh, but I, I don't fault the media for that because there are other things nationally that are very concerning. And I'm going to step right over here and ask you about your concerns about a couple of things that are going on nationally right now. And I'm certain that you and your team are talking about it. Number one, number one, this whole crazy shit with, with uh, uh, Elon Musk completely gutting Twitter and calling it X. Number two... I would ask, I would ask your opinion. And I would, I said, I was never going to say, I said, I was never going to devote any specific uh, episode to the topic of Jason Aldean and that crap that he's released, but I'm, I'm going to throw it out there and, and see if you have a comment or no comment. And either way, it's your choice. All right. So Elon Musk and Jason Aldean. Uh, you know, every day it seems as though Elon Musk is disabusing us of our preconceived idea that he is some kind of genius. Um, the stuff that he's doing with Twitter, I mean, he's just let the floodgates open. You scroll through that timeline and it's just the worst of the worst. And they're piled up to the top because if you got, what is it, uh, <laughs> Ben with NBC calls it the $8 Roddy, right? Um, or the $8 <laughs> you can pay to get verified so that you appear at I know, the right? of the timeline. I ain't paying, I I ain't paying that shit. <laughs> oh my God. No, it's almost like a, it's almost like a scarlet letter now, you know, in some circles. Um, but it really is, but you know, Twitter used to be for years. Journalists, like when, if something was breaking yes. news, you would maybe Google it, but then you go to Twitter and you're going to see what's actually happening real time. I've broken yep. stories via tweet and you see that thing spread like wildfire and those days are gone. Instead, yep. now you just yep. see like Nazis, literally Nazis and trolls and people who are just probably grifters that are just all at the top of the timeline. And the same thing in the comments because of the way that prioritization works. And now he's well, I used X. To... I mean, it's so wild. It's stupid. It's stupid. He has a pre-obsession <laughs> With the letter X. But I will say, I will say, you know, like you were mentioning about Twitter used to be, you know, a place for journalists, to, you know, to report stuff. And it really was. It really was. I remember years ago, mm. I've, I've had, I've had TweetDeck. I used to use TweetDeck and follow several, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, journalists and, and the people that had, you know, like we said earlier, their finger on the pulse. But I used to follow a lot of journalists with my tweet deck. I would fill it up and I would look at it and I would, you know. Uh, but then he tried to he tried to monetize the tweet deck and close it down. And now he's putting this whole X thing on it. And I, you know, the guy, I, I don't know what the hell he's thinking. Yeah, I mean, why are you going to get rid of an established brand that is recognizable, unique? and uh has existed for what is twitter 14 years old i mean you can certainly change things but mark zuckerberg yeah. wasn't that much of a fool when he decided to create meta he didn't just say well facebook's now called meta he was like now we have a parent no. company and that's pretty that's typical right. but that's elon right. musk like he just loves the letter x 
what is that? Does he like have some stock and that'll show the X factor or something? I don't know, man. What is he doing? And I just feel like every day it's just like he wakes up and he's like, you know what? I'm going to do this crazy thing today. And nobody and can stop I, him. I mean, it's his platform. I, I, well, you know, that's a good way to throw, throw away $44 billion worth of borrowed money. But I will say this. Right? I don't know if you've read. I know he borrowed all that money. But I. I will say this, uh, the people that designed the Twitter logo, I don't know if you've read this or not, but the people that designed it, every single piece of the Twitter logo was designed around circles. Every piece of it. They drew hundreds of circles on these. There was three guys. They drew all these circles and then they colored in the blocks and came up with this bird. And it's all circles and their whole logic behind it was connection the circles connect everybody i know i know it sounds kind of far-fetched but that's exactly how it was put together Ah, uh, no i mean i've been in communications for a long time and that is the kind of thing where your brain doesn't perceive it but something in there like you can recognize that there's it's got more depth to it then, I mean, he basically just picked a font out of the, whatever the Microsoft Word fonts were and was like, this is our new logo, in my opinion. I think the, it looks it looks what? really, um, it's embarrassing. It's like that that meme, uh, graphic design is my passion. Okay, like, who told him that was a good idea? This man needs people to tell him no. <laughs> I, I'm a graphic designer, but I also have, I also have a pro account on Canva. I mean, I got paintbrush too, Elon. I think I could design a new logo for you. Yeah, right? <laughs> I know, I know. I know, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you think about it, if you if you think about these guys that designed the Twitter logo, and they actually said it was just designed by a bunch of circles, everything in the bird comes from the edge of a circle, and then they just colored in the spots mm -hmm. and made the bird. And... I, I think about that, and then I think about how many years that it has, uh, you know, become, uh, it's become a household fixture. Even people that don't use Twitter can look at that picture, I, I would say most people, can look at that picture and they know that that means, oh, that's that Twitter online thing. It's automatic brand recognition. And he is taking automatic brand recognition, regardless of what he thinks about the app or the platform, whatever he thinks about it. He's taking that brand recognition and throwing it in the toilet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, does he want to declare bankruptcy for Twitter? I mean, it's looking more and more like that every day. Has there been a single decision that he made that made Twitter more profitable, more respected. Isn't ad revenue no. down like 50%? And then he recently no. decided to start paying a very random group of people a portion of ad revenue based on what people see in their replies. Um, so then he's given away more money. And I just don't understand how this man is a, gym, a business genius making these type of decisions. It doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. I, 
I, I, you know, and I, I see all the posts as, as I know you probably do too. I see all the posts on Twitter and, and on, on threads and everywhere else where people are saying, well, all these, all these liberal whinies are, you know, complaining about, you know, Twitter doing this and doing that and all that. But I'm telling you from a business standpoint, it was just a moron move. Uh, if you've got a branded product and you go in there and buy it and you spend $44 billion to buy it, you don't go in there and gut it the way he has. He, he gutted it. He, it, it, I don't care if he, if he instituted all these, you know, you know, stop gaps and, and, you know, wanted to charge people for their check marks and, and wanted to start, you know, you know, banning certain speech or whatever. The thing, the thing that, that, you know, right at the top of my mind is he took a corporation that, you know, arguably was losing money. It wasn't making money, but it wasn't intended to in the first place. Uh, and it, it became, it became just like you said, a lot of, uh, journalists used it, uh, throughout the years to, you know, get information from other journalists. And a lot of people used it during times of tragedy to get information out to the rest of the world. And now he's trashing it. He wants to, uh, he wants to kill the brand uh he's he's let go thousands of employees uh and amongst those employees had have also been some of the top engineers even including some of the security people and and now the the platform has just gone to crap and he's put this thing on there and now they're saying that you know Microsoft Meta and uh, uh, Meta and Microsoft also have uh, trademark holdings on those different versions of the X. So mm -hmm. even though he may have used something that, you know, is going to pass the muster when it comes to the courts, he may or may not. Uh, some some judge may came, come in there and say, hey, dude, you didn't check on this first, and now you started, you know, tearing down the Twitter wall and and pulling the bird down and putting this x in the fact of the matter is you can't do that because you're gonna have to pay for it yeah i mean he took a sink into twitter when he showed up that first day right and since then all he's yeah. done is take things away take things out of twitter i mean and then um, it's just like do you have a lawyer like a single lawyer or a friend to be like dude <laughs> You know, maybe don't hit that vape so hard before you make a, a decision about your entire brand. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's like he's got, there are no people in his entourage. There's no people in his little tribe that say no, sir. Right. I mean, don't we all rely on our friends to be like, you're acting a fool. I don't think there's a single person in his life that he, that he trusts enough to tell him when he's acting a fool. Or he, well, he listens to. One of the things I see on a lot of the social media posts, I see where, you know, a lot of people are saying he's a, you know, he's a genius. He's got all this. and He's not. He started out with millions of dollars. His parents had shitloads of money. 
and he invested in buying companies and buying other people's stuff. He never invented Tesla. He never invented SpaceX. He never invented AI. He never invented any of this stuff. He just took a whole shitload of money and bought this stuff and then, you know, ran from there. And he never, oh, I know this is going to sound like a smart ass, but he never grew up in a small town. No, he did not. Um, I am definitely from a small town, and I don't believe that Mr. Musk can make that same claim. <laughs> no, 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 no. He came from he came from South African ruby miners. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I come it was on, emeralds. dude. Yeah, emeralds, rubies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They dug they dug stones out of the ground with slave labor. So, uh, I mean, what are gemstones he, I don't own for a hundred, Alex? That's where he comes from. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. you know, um, I don't know. Hey, hey, you want to move on to the next I topic? Mean, he's of, just uh, a rich dude. He, he is a rich dude. Uh, he's a rich dude that yeah. has too much time on his hands and he sleeps by himself and every now and again he gets a hold of some you know hollywood actress and you know they have a romp in the hay and then he gives her you know a million bucks to shut the hell up and and then he moves on about his business and jumps on his little jet that some guy on twitter now on threads follows his damn jet everywhere he goes much to yeah. elon musk's chagrin <laughs> The Elon Musk jet. I've been following. I've been yeah. following that thing for a long time. It's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. Anyway, all right. Man, anyway, I wish that anyway, kid would follow Ron DeSantis. Anyway, I know. I oh god, don't get me started. That dude. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, but you know, Ron thinks that slaves are learn. Slaves, they learned a whole bunch of uh, usable skills in the marketplace. Yeah, right. I don't think that uh, that if you were actually a student of history, Governor DeSantis, that you would make that claim because a lot of the farming techniques that they learned, they taught white people. So a lot of the cooking techniques that are white Southern cooking are actually African cooking techniques that have evolved uh, over the years. So, you know, if you wanted to be a true student of history and impart some of that knowledge to the next generation, you'd be teaching I those know. kids about the contribution that we owe to the African people. Uh, but that's just my, no. my little rant. Sorry. We were going to move on to the next topic. <laughs> yeah, but no shit. <laughs> uh, but the, but uh, on the same token, we could also go ahead and talk about this whole Jason Aldean thing. And the fact that uh, <clears throat> mm -hmm. I had made mention online the other day, several days ago, that uh, I'm I'm not a big country music fan, and I don't mind saying that to anybody. I don't care. I was I grew up in a in a country music family, uh, and I've played in country music bands. I've played hired gun as a drummer over the years for a lot of different kinds of bands, and uh, I'd never been a real big fan of especially the new country music. And when I say the new country music, I say that really about a lot of new genres. I think that uh, a, a lot of these pop stars, these pop country stars, and a lot of other people, they, uh, you know, they buy into this Hollywood or Nashville thing, and they have songwriters that write them a bunch of crap that just sells albums. And of course, right now, nobody's really selling albums they're selling downloads 
Um, and for the most part, uh, artists that are making downloads are making pennies on the dollar. For the for the most part. Now I know mm -hmm. that people like Jason Aldean, he did he did not come from a small town, and he does not live in a small town, and he did not write that song. Uh, and he is currently sitting on about eleven albums and roughly eighty million dollars net worth. So, uh, f frankly, in my opinion. He is not someone to be talking all this shit that he is. However, he didn't write the song, and the people that wrote that song actually wrote the song that he put out several years ago that said, I left a small town because they suck. The same people that wrote this song. So, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, they're just checking some boxes to try to Put together these different elements um to create a song that will get radio play i do sure. listen to country music i'm a big fan yeah. of country music um and god bless you I, you know while he may not have written that song he certainly had some creative decision making over that video mm -hmm. um i would imagine i mean i'm not some music industry I insider or anything but i, do I doubt know, it i doubt it you're gonna i doubt it no no say whatsoever no final approval uh, no, I doubt it. I, I think he's just on the gravy train, to be honest with you. He's done it before, and he's done it uh, album after album. He he uh, he is one of those guys from Nashville and from Hollywood and other genres mm -hmm. that typically are, they can, they can elementary, you know, throw out some guitar chords, and, and some of them can sing mm -hmm. halfway decent. And some of them have a little bit of appeal, whether it be sexual appeal or, you know, they appeal to the ladies in the crowd with the cowboy hats and the pink cowboy boots and all that shit. Uh, but uh, he's he uh, he doesn't write songs. Uh, he 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 is mm -hmm. he is told to come to the meeting table. His record people say, hey, we got this song. We think it's going to do well. We'd like you to sing it. And we're going to do a video. And we're going to spend about a million bucks, maybe more, maybe less, to produce this video for you. And it's going to make you real, it's going to make you look really fucking cool. And some of these other people are going to love your stuff and they're going to buy it. And some people are going to hate it. But we think the people that uh you know fall in line with your narrow-minded message that we're trying to promote is going to sell a shitload of albums and by the end of the day your 80 million dollar net worth is going to be about 90 million what do you say dude you're going to show up in the studio i mean i would hope he'd have more integrity than that and, and that any artist would uh, you know but let's be real he's no, not writing no. his songs he's just a no. canned no. canned country no. right He's no Miranda Lambert. No. He's no Brad Paisley. He's no Garth Brooks. No. Like he's a guy. No. I went to when Leonard Skinner did their farewell show and he was on the lineup mm -hmm. and I saw him like he could play a stadium, which is not, not easy. Um, yeah. But, you know, nothing against the man as a singer. I really haven't heard him sing a cappella, which is the easier way to judge it. But I do think that, you know, 
I think the artist has some responsibility when you're making a video like that to not say, hey, well, yeah. let's do this at the scene of a lynching and then include hey, footage hey. of like protests for people's rights. I mean, it's just really, it's, ugh. It was in poor taste. It was in poor taste. And to be honest with you, Claire, a lot of that video footage was taken in different countries. A lot of the video footage was taken in I Canada protest. That. And some of it was actually taken and in Europe. war-torn uh, U- Ukraine and Germany. And uh, they're, comp- mm-hmm. they're conflating that, that same type of anger from the Ukraine and Germany protests to a Black Lives Matter protest. And I think that is total bullshit. Uh, they, bought, they bought stock footage, as I can do. Any day of the week, I can go buy stock footage anywhere and put it on my videos. And that's what they did. And I think yeah. that was a cheap shot. I think it was a cheap shot. And I mean, wouldn't we like to see people in small towns agitating for civil rights? And haven't we seen that? We certainly have. Um, but, you know, if you want to talk about what's going on in a small town, you could go back to my hometown, Paul Paul, West Virginia, and you can see the people ravaged by opioids. You can see the poverty yeah. and the suffering. And, you know, Eric Church could pro- probably write a good song about that. But maybe Jason <laughs> Aldean isn't the man for that particular job to really show people's no. suffering and no. the struggles that people have. Like, I understand that music is entertainment, but the music that resonates is the music that really speaks to something that is maybe an injustice or just a pain or you know, something that speaks to your soul, whether or not it's rap or hip hop right. or country or rock and right. roll. Right. 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 Uh, I would say, uh, in closing here, Claire, I would say that I was, I was not raised in a small town. I was raised in Jacksonville, Florida. I was raised on the outside of Jacksonville. And I would say at the time that I was raised, it was a small town. It was before it was consolidated because I, I, frankly, I'm old as shit. And (laughs) I I lived out in the woods. And, and when I was growing up, when I was growing up, we did have a small town mentality. And I I currently live in, Mm -hmm. in Middleburg and it's a little different here, but yeah, kind of, kind of, sort of, you know, country folks have their own way of thinking. Uh, but when I was raised on, uh, in uh, the north side of Jacksonville uh, by a father that busted his ass a uh, hundred hours a week working at the paper mill, my mother stayed home as a stay-at-home wife, uh, raised my sister and I, and we were raised with certain certain values too and i would say that they were small town values although it wasn't a small town it was a suburb but it was a small house and it was a tight house and it was a tightly run house um and 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 my dad uh taught me how to be a gentleman and how to be gentle with other people and how to understand the differences in the people that lived in our neighborhoods i remember in my elementary school when I first saw another black person, I remember I was in first grade and the first black person I ever met in my entire life was in first grade. I had never seen another black person. And that person, his name was Eugene McMillan. And I remember him to this day, I'm 62 years old and we were friends for years and years and years. 
Uh, it it changed me going through the 1960s in the race riots and all this other stuff. And I remember that my father and my mother shielded us from a lot of that. But I do remember seeing a lot of the hatred coming out on the news outlets after I became of age and thinking back to, well, God, I didn't see any of that. I didn't see that in my neighborhood. Why, why did I not see that? Why did I not hear of that? It's because my parents shielded us. And 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 that that takes me to the point where uh, I I think, uh, you know, we're having these issues in the state of Florida and, and countrywide, nationwide, where they're trying to whitewash a lot of history in our schools. And I think it really is a shame that I went through my entire elementary school years, and that was six years first through sixth grade, that I only had one black friend. He was the only black student, and I only had one black teacher. She was my fifth grade teacher, and her name was Mrs. Floyd. And at the age of 62, I still remember those people, and they're dear to my heart. And uh, why is it Why is it a lot of people aren't talking about that? People don't like to talk about uncomfortable truths. Um, you know, growing up in middle of nowhere, West Virginia, in a town of 500, very homogenous, yeah. not very many black people. I think there was one Jewish family, um, very few Latinos. Uh, no, I don't remember there being any Asian people in my hometown. Um, and it's easy for some people, you know, to become fearful or grow up fearful of the other and not have that empathy mm -hmm. for their common man, you know, yeah. to sort of silo themselves into their little group because it feels comfortable and it feels, you know, safe. And, you know, but when we're our best selves, I think we're having empathy for all, for everyone else. You know, yeah. um, it sounds sort of cheesy, but it's the truth. And it's really disturbing to me to have lived through, you know, the past several years and just watching these divisions and how they're festering and growing. And it's like, you know, white people, many white people, not all white people, but many white people are putting themselves back into this corner and being like, you know, it's us against the world. And they're just, they're shunning LGBT people and they're, you know, saying and horrible things about those of other races and publicly and it's bad enough in private, but when you feel so emboldened that you're going on the internet and you're saying these things, I mean, you know, the things that we saw the former president say at times, the things we've seen some of our other leaders say, or even just allude to, but obviously, you know, the dog whistles, it's really distressing. But then, you know, I spent a week recently in middle of nowhereville, Weewahitchka, Florida. And, you know, you talk to people one-on-one -on -one and they're so kind and welcoming. And I think if mm -hmm. you go to my hometown, you'd have the same experience. It's like, but when we get into our little groups and we're like, well, the, you know, we're the white Christians, right? Um, and we're like, we know what the right God is. I mean, then what are you, you're just hating other people and you're doing it yeah. because you're afraid and because sometimes you're small, you know, you're small minded. Um, and I know a lot of people in small towns who are wonderful <laughs> and don't think like that at all. 
Um, and it really just like when someone like Jason Aldean comes out with that song and it's like, you don't see that in a small town, it kind of pisses me off because you see a lot of really wonderful things in small towns too. Um, Jacksonville is a great freaking place to live. I love it here. I love the people. Uh, but everywhere you go, you're going to find good people. Everywhere you go, you're going to yeah. find bad people. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to find yeah. people. Um, and you know, but seeing this, like the way the hate grows in certain you know, online is a bad place for it. Um, and it's spilling out into the real world, including here, you know, we've seen some pretty awful stuff put up on buildings and flying over the stadium in Jacksonville. Right. Right. And, right. You know, it's I know, like, man, these people feel Nazis feel emboldened that bold, like that <laughs> they feel like they're that accepted. Like we got to roll the clock back on this. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Claire, I have had an exceptionally wonderful time talking to you about these topics and talking about the Daily Dot and the things that you have going down, uh, you know, over there. Uh, before we go, uh, are there some things that we should know to look for that you may be covering in the very near future? Well, I can't scoop myself, but I do have some stories cooking that I think everyone will be very interested in. And I did publish, we published a story today. I went to the home of the internet personality known as Cat Turd and spent a week I there. I saw that. Um, if you don't I know who that. he is, he's a big <laughs> MAGA guy, millions of followers, really influential. And then he's like basically this invisible person in his own small town, which is kind of like, man. You know, you 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 love the internet fame, but you don't really like people in real life. I don't know. So just expect <laughs> to see some more, some more big scoops. And uh, just uh, Governor DeSantis, I've got some plans for covering your administration as well. So you'll be you'll be hearing from me uh, about what's going on in Florida and the rest of the country. It sounds great. Sounds great. And you know what, Claire? I'll I'll provide all the links in the uh, comments and sections and descriptions of the podcast for everybody to find you and see what you're talking about. And we will definitely, you're welcome anytime here on the podcast. Thanks, Tracy. It's been an honor to be on here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. See ya. I'd like to thank all my friends, fans, and followers on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all of you. And those of you who are not already following us, please like, share, comment. And on the YouTube channel, like, share, comment, and smash the subscribe button so that you get all the new episodes. Don't forget to ring that bell. You get notifications. And listen, once again, I want to thank each and every single one of you. Your support means the world to me. And I certainly do appreciate it. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, in my closing thoughts, I just want to impart to you, uh, for those of you who really want to read some quality investigative journalism, you have to go over to the Daily Dot and check it out. I'll have the links provided for you. And as always, take care of yourselves and each other. Until next time. Peace.